Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive. And the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwood. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him. I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your host, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast. We are presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online. Pick them up at your local TGS Express checkout. You will be in and out in minutes. If you guys want to go to MyGreenSolution.com, you can use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Monday edition of the show, Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here. The Nuggets fall Sunday night in Portland, 115-108, a tough loss for Denver. The biggest thing coming into this one and where I want to start here is the Nuggets rest, three of their top guns. Against Portland, they hold Nicole Jokic out. They hold Paul Millsap out. They hold Jamal Murray out in this one. I wasn't terribly surprised that Denver went that route, especially after uh, getting that win at home the other night over that same Portland team. Were you surprised at all? And what did you think of the decision to do that? No, I wasn't surprised because Denver has now locked up home court advantage and a top three seed. I think it would have been different if there was still a chance of Denver falling to four because that means there's you know, a good chance that you face the Utah Jazz in the first round. And I think that matchup, no matter who has home court advantage, is, is pretty close to a toss-up for mm-hmm. Denver. But you know, the fact that they'd already locked up a top three seed means they're probably going to get Oklahoma City, San Antonio, or the Clippers. And I feel like the Nuggets will be favored and, and have a pretty good chance in, in any of those series. So I was cool with giving Joker... Jamal and Paul and night off. That's a good point because there's a big difference between playing the Jazz, I think, even though Utah has not really closed the regular season here with the look of a team that's poised to make a deep playoff run. Say what you want about momentum if you believe it's a real thing at the end of the regular season or not, but they haven't played great. But still, I think there's a big difference between playing the Jazz in the first round uh, compared to those three teams you just mentioned, the Clippers, the Thunder, and the Spurs. And there's really no telling which of those opponents Denver is most likely to face A because we don't know what seed the Nuggets will wind up with and B because, I mean, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, and and the Clippers are separated by half a game, flip-flopping at the bottom of the Western Conference really all day, and I would guess that will continue here going forward. 
I felt like it was a good move for Denver to rest guys tonight, really just because those three guys kind of needed a break. I felt like Millsap, Murray, those guys have battled through a bunch of injuries this year. Millsap had the broken toe, of course. He had an ankle injury as well right around the All-Star break. He's getting up there in age. You could kind of tell he could use a night off. Jamal Murray, every game he's out there, he tweaks an ankle, it seems like. So it was good to get him a game here. And Nicole Jokic, you wrote about this here Sunday morning on bsndenver.com. He's been the Nuggets' most durable player or arguably their most durable player. Definitely their most durable guy in the starting five this season. He's only missed one game. That was due to a suspension, which he let everybody know about after that win over the Blazers in the locker room. He he made sure to point that out to you when you asked him that question about his durability. But he could really use a night off too, it seemed like. So from that respect, I felt like those three guys needed a rest. And you no, know, this seemed like a good game to do it for a number of reasons. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that piece I wrote this morning at BSN Denver, I feel like Jokic, you know, nationally especially, he's not regarded as a tough player. Like, I think he's often gets the soft label. And, sure. you know, based on what I've seen this season, I, I don't think that could be further from the truth. I mean, Jokic has been one of the best crunch time performers in, in all of basketball. The Nuggets have the best record in the NBA in games that were within five points in the last five minutes. He's appeared in a ton of games, and I had this nugget in my story. He's appeared in 94% of, of Denver's game since he's been in a Nuggets uniform, uh, and that goes back four years. So in a way, I mean, I think he can play through bumps and bruises, but I also think, too, that his groundbound game is kind of actually an advantage there yeah. because he's like a mutter. He's like a horse that's a mutter. Um, mm-hmm. he, he just, if you're not going to jump that high, you don't have that far to fall. And some reports coming out of Portland that Jokic didn't take the rest, you know, in stride. He was kind of battling Malone to get out there. And I think that shows how competitive he is and how badly he wants to be out there every night. He probably gets that soft label. We probably shouldn't beat around the bush, but because he's European and for many years, European players have been labeled as soft. That's might never have been the truth, but that's definitely been a label that those guys have had to shed. Jokic is definitely not soft. I think we know that for a fact. He's a gamer. It almost seems like he kind of morphs into an entirely different person when he gets between the lines from time to time. Here's another tangent for you. What you just said is why I prefer the Joker nickname over the Big Honey nickname. One, it's a myth that Altitude gave Nikola Jokic the Joker nickname. He said a couple of times that Mike Miller gave him that nickname his rookie year. And two, I like the Joker nickname more because Jokic is a freaking nut when he's on the court. He's a completely different person than when he's off the court. And I think the Joker nickname captures that a lot better than Big Honey. That's just my personal preference. I like both nicknames. You have Joker. It's mainstream. Big Honey is kind of the deep cut. The real ones know about Big Honey. Yeah. And I'm cool with multiple nicknames. I mean... Check at 100 million of them. I thought <laughs> right. that was awesome. Right. I mean, this game tonight, it was pretty unbelievable how the Nuggets battled in this one without those three starters. And we'll get into the specifics here in a little bit. But the Nuggets lose 115-108. They were leading for a lot of this game. They outscored the Blazers 32-26. to Really took command of this one in the third quarter behind a bench unit that featured... Wancho, Jared Vanderbilt, Torrey Craig, Isaiah Thomas, and Malik Beasley. It was incredible. We'll get into those guys' performances individually here in a little. But towards the end of this one, the Nuggets, they're holding off Portland. Portland finished this game on like a 16-1 to run, I believe, or 17-1 to run. Michael Malone leaves in his bench. He leaves in Isaiah Thomas, Malik Beasley, Torrey Craig, and Wancho, I believe. Mason Plumlee had fouled out by this point. It seemed to me, coming into this one, that the Nuggets... They were okay with taking loss here. You know, they were okay with Portland winning and you know, potentially getting the Trailblazers if they win these final two games to jump 
Houston in the standing, so the Nuggets could avoid Houston until uh, the conference finals. Michael Malone doesn't go back to his stars. What was kind of going through your mind when you saw Malone roll with his bench group uh, to close this one out? Because on one hand, they had been playing really well at the end of the third, at the beginning of the fourth. On the other hand, nobody can sit here and tell me that Isaiah Thomas gives the Nuggets a better chance to win this game than Monte Morris does down the stretch. Yeah, Monte Morris and Gary Harris didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. That was a pretty good indication that Michael Malone did not want to win this game. Uh, Yes, some of those reserve units were playing well, but I mean, if he wanted to win this game, he would have put Monte and Gary back in there. And man, people were really up in arms about this after the game. They were fired up. I saw a lot of... Well, you never want to try to lose, no matter what the situation is. It's it's just bad juju. Look, Michael Malone is like the most competitive person in Denver. He's one of the most competitive people I've ever been around. I, I just don't think this is that big of a deal. It would have been a big deal for me if Denver was in danger of falling to the four and they could have faced Utah in the first round like we just talked about and then get Golden State in the second round if they advance. But the fact that they could do no worse than three... I don't really care that they're trying to game the standings so that they avoid Houston in the second round. Right. It did have some weird vibes to it, for sure, because this was really close to being an unbelievable win. Probably one of the Nuggets' best wins of the season. I can only imagine that's what the narrative would have been coming out of Portland with this one if the Nuggets would have beat the Blazers with McCollum, who didn't play the other night in Denver, and and with a healthy Blazers team outside of Nurkic. But Here's Denver's thinking, right? If Houston loses in OKC on Tuesday, the Rockets only have one game left, and Portland wins these final two and their final three. The third one was this game against Denver. If Portland wins out, they play the Lakers and Kings. If those two things happen, if Houston loses in OKC and Portland wins out, Portland jumps Houston to the three, meaning the Nuggets can avoid the Rockets until the conference finals. And the other side of that is if Houston wins an OKC on Tuesday, uh, the Nuggets would be in danger of dropping to the three. They'd have to win out for the two, but they can't drop below Portland. That's the big thing to take away from that. I like the decision. I like the call to help Portland out a little here, which is what I think the Nuggets were doing. I think Denver probably looked themselves in the mirror and said, hey, we're not making the conference finals if we have to go through the Rockets or Warriors, even if we have home court advantage against the Rockets in the second round and Denver's a two and Houston's a three. I think Denver knows deep down they're probably not winning that series unless there's a big injury to Chris Paul, which I mean could happen. Like That's a scenario that's out there. But even then, I don't think it's a gimme that the Nuggets win that series. I think that's Denver's overall thought. You know, We're not going to get to the conference finals if we have to go through one of those two teams. So, hey, Why don't we just try to game the system a little bit and rest our guys while doing it? I like the decision. Yeah, so the the likeliest scenario now is that the Rockets are going to get the two. They have to beat the Oklahoma City Thunder, who aren't playing well. The Rockets are are pretty hot right now. But the Thunder might have to win that final game to avoid the Warriors in the first round. Okay. There might be some motivation there from Oklahoma City. Okay, but I I mean, regardless, that that might be true, but... you know, even with all the other moving parts, the, the likely scenario is Houston's probably going to get the two and, and Denver's probably going to get the three. Um, a lot of things have to go right. I mean, okay, l- let me just ask you this. Let me put it this way. What are the percentages if Denver and Houston met in the second round that Denver would get past them if they had home court advantage? Maybe 
And what is the percentage in your mind that Denver gets past Houston in the second round if the Rockets have home court advantage? 20. Look, the Nuggets are arguably the best team in the league at home. And if you're asking me that question and how it pertains to a playoff matchup against six other teams in the West, my percentages would be higher. But the Rockets are just such a tough matchup for Denver. We know that. The only time they've won a game against Houston in the last few years is when Clint Capella has not played. I think the Nuggets obviously have a better shot at home, but it's not as big of a difference as it would be if Denver was playing any team other than Houston in the first round. Home court advantage in the playoffs really matters for sure, and it is going to matter a lot for a team like the Nuggets. I just don't think it's going to have as big of an impact against Houston as some would think. Yeah, I I mean, I agree with that general line of thinking. There's just not much difference, right. no matter if Denver has home court advantage against the Rockets or not. I mean, the Rockets are a terrible matchup. They have studs in you know their prime years. I just don't think there's a, a great chance, no matter who has home court advantage, that Denver's getting past the Rockets. So that's why I'm cool with trying to gain the standings and trying to rip off a Western Conference Finals run. And that's a good point because the Nuggets, deep down, believe they can make a run if things break right for them. You talk to guys in that locker room, a lot of people in that organization think the Nuggets can make a run to the Western Conference Finals if things break right for them in the standings. And things breaking right would be them avoiding the Warriors and Rockets until the Western Conference Finals. And everybody's like, oh, don't trust Portland to win out. Like, they haven't looked great. They have to beat the Lakers, who are tanking right now, and the Kings, who are still playing hard but should be tanking. I don't know. Alex Caruso, he's on a run. Alex Caruso saving Lakers fans' uh, hopes for the season at the end of the year. I hope Alex Caruso and Costa Cufas end up on the same team sometime. I'm excited for Alex Caruso's Summer League like 4.0. Seems like it's going to be the fourth year in a row he's at Summer League for the Lakers. Let's hit a break real quick. I want to get into this game and maybe talk a little bit more about Denver's decision to rest guys. Let's hit a break real quick, though. We'll be right back. Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group, you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Anne and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me was my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren, and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Dental Group offers free teeth whitening trays when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Just mention BSN Denver. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast. We are presented by The Green Solution. Visit mygreensolution.com. Plug in that promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. This game coming up Monday against the Jazz is really interesting because like we just talked about last segment, if the Rockets lose against the Thunder here on Monday night, the Nuggets need to win one of these last two games to lock in the two. 
the thing about that is uh, Denver and Houston, they kind of play at the same time on Monday. It's not like the Nuggets would know the result of that Rocket of that Rockets game before they tip off against the Jazz. We were just talking about this during the break, but it seems like it would make sense for the Nuggets to play their guys against the Jazz, try to get that win, and then in case Houston does lose against the Thunder, you can rest your guys in the home finale against Minnesota, right? Yeah, I mean, that I would expect Denver to go and try to win this game in Utah because if you're able to get it done and, and Oklahoma City is able to beat Houston, then... You could just rest your starters against Minnesota in, mm-hmm. in the regular season finale, which is the second night of a back-to-back. You don't even have to worry about that game. Um, you know, you, you want to give yourselves – you got to go one-and-one, one, assuming Oklahoma City beats Houston on Tuesday to get that two-seed and help ensure that Houston falls to the floor. So, yeah, I would expect them to try and win this game in Utah. Utah's a tough place to play, for sure. The Jazz are 28-12, and 12, a decent – record at home this season but I mean those fans are ruthless that's a nasty crowd that's a really fiery crowd in Utah always tough to win there Nuggets have won there before uh definitely so we'll see what happens uh, but yeah I'm with you I would think the Nuggets try to win this game and then maybe the finale Wednesday in Denver against Minnesota you can rest your guys last time Denver played in Utah by the way fight almost broke out mm-hmm. and Nicole Jokic turned to suspension Mason Plumlee Derek Favors a uh, pretty serious shoving match as yeah. far as NBA fracases go yeah and yeah Nicole Jokic um got suspended not very happy about that one still he still remembers so yeah we'll see Mike Mullen after this game pretty non-committal I, he probably just hasn't really made up his mind yet he hasn't huddled with his assistants and, and seen if that was the right play to make I'm sure they'll be looking at that scenario tonight and tomorrow morning So, yeah, we'll see what happens in this game against the Jazz. Let's look back at this loss to the Trailblazers, though. Some performances from a couple guys on the Nuggets that we should probably hit on. A big takeaway I had from this one, Gary Harris looked good. He looked aggressive. He was looking to drive to the rim. Seemed like he was looking to draw contact and and get to the line. Things that we haven't exactly seen from Gary throughout the season a ton. He's battled the injuries a little, and I'd speculate that's why he hasn't looked to get to the rim as often as he has in years past. But I feel like a big thing that could develop over these final few games is just him discovering some type of an offensive rhythm before the playoffs because I think him being a really dangerous offensive player could open up a lot for Denver come playoff time. What do you think of his game tonight? And do you think this could be the start of you know him finding that rhythm that he had before all those injuries as Denver gets ready for the playoffs here. Gary looking like himself from the, the two seasons before this one was was my biggest takeaway in this game. He had some great finishes at the rim. You know, he was going downhill with a head of steam, which is something, like you just said, we haven't seen a lot this year. He was doing the thing where he, like, holds the ball out with just his right hand and uses those big-ass wide receiver hands to, mm-hmm. to just take it up one-handed at the basket and finish. He looked athletic. He was finishing through contact, and that was really encouraging to see. Um, Here's what Gary shot at the rim the last four seasons. 2015, 16, 60%. 16, 17, 64%. Last year, 69%. Nice. And this year, he's at just 56%. I mean, this is the first time Gary shot below 60% at the rim since his rookie year when, I mean, he didn't even really play, so you kind of got to throw that one out. He has not been the same guy uh, around the basket. That was one of the biggest strengths of his games in the two previous years. And 
I do think that has, that has a lot to do with the injuries. You know, Michael Malone said earlier this season that those, all those injuries affected him physically, but they also affected him mentally. I mean, yeah. Michael Malone just came out and said that, that, you know, sometimes when, when you're just uh, – so many of those injuries stack up, you just don't have that same confidence in your body. And in my opinion, that's what we've been seeing with, with Gary this year. And, look, the Nuggets, they need all, all their contributors to play well in the playoffs if they're going to advance. Um, I, don't, I don't think they can win a first-round series if Gary Harris isn't playing well. So it was great to see him playing like this tonight. And the trend of Gary not really having a ton of success around the basket, over these last two seasons, he's trended away towards shooting a ton at the rim. If you look back at kind of his career arc in 2015-16, 41% of his shot attempts came from the rim. In 2016-17, 44% of his shot attempts came from from the rim. But in 2017-18 last season, that number went down to 31%. Only 31% of his shots came from around the rim. This year, he's up slightly to 35%, but still a pretty substantial drop off from where he was at in 2016-17, 2015-16, where he really started to establish himself as kind of a building block here in Denver. So we've seen Gary and his game drift further away from the basket you know, over these last couple of years compared to his first three seasons. And, you know, I don't know if it's the best thing in the world. I think what it does show is that he's more confident in his abilities, meaning, you know, he's more confident in his handle. He's more confident in his isolation game. He's confident that he can score in different ways than just getting to the rim. And so I think it's just been an interesting thing to watch over the last couple of years. And I think the Nuggets need a little bit more of that element, a guy who can just get to the rack and slash a little bit. I mean, Will Barton is probably the, the best slasher on their team. Um, and, you know, he's not elite at that. Malik Beasley has been a pretty good slasher at times, but Jamal Murray is not really that guy. So I think you kind of need, Gary, to, to fill that role of a guy who can put pressure on the defense by just blowing by guys. I mean, his bread and butter for those first three seasons, you know, well, really, I guess his – first his second and third seasons once Nikola Jokic came into the fold coming off a high screen from Jokic a dribble handoff from Jokic going to his right and getting all the way to the rim right and a lot of times over the last couple seasons you still get him going to his right but he'll pull up for that 20 footer or he'll stop his dribble back up a couple feet and then shoot a three or you know get to the nail or get to the elbow and then you know kick it out to somebody else or, or look to play make. So he hasn't had as many of those line drives to the basket over the last couple of years as he had earlier in his career. I agree. I would like to see him get back to that. But this was a step in the right direction, I thought. He looked good. One of his better games in the last few weeks for sure. And yeah, I agree. If he's dangerous, I think the Nuggets have a great shot at winning a first-round playoff series. If he's playing like the guy he's been for these last couple of weeks, though, outside of this game, it could get a little sketchy. He goes for 18 points on 8-12 of shooting uh, here tonight. What do you think of Torrey Craig's game? He was another guy who I thought played well, and hey, this is becoming what we expect from Torrey Craig almost. He's been everywhere over these last couple of games. Maybe he just plays really well against Portland. I don't know what it is, but uh, 13 points for him, four rebounds, four, seven from the field in 23 minutes. Do you think he's really forcing Michael Malone's hand into playing him 20 plus minutes in, in the playoffs? Ooh, I mean, I think Torrey Craig is 
is the clear-cut number nine guy in this team. Um, I mean, I'm curious whether Malone will go with the eight-and-a-half-man rotation, which we've seen at times, or just go to the full nine where, where Craig is playing double-digit minutes, night in and night out. I mean, it certainly makes Malone's decision easier, and it'll, it'll be more reliant on Craig if his three ball is going in like it was tonight. Torrey Craig shot three of four from deep. He had 13 points. Um, you know, he shot the, the three ball a little bit better um, as of late. The, you know, he shot two of five the other night in Portland, hit one that essentially sealed the game on Friday night. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the, the key for Torrey. I mean, look, we know what he brings from a defensive standpoint. We know that he's going to get on the offensive glass and, and just kind of muck it up. If that three ball is going, then, yeah, I, th- I think he could be that guy who's in there, you know, double digits in the playoffs who Michael Malone can trust. Here's why Torrey works so well on this team. So many guys on the Nuggets are those finesse players. So many guys play the beautiful game. Torrey Craig is just this battering ram who's not afraid to do the dirty work. He, he's really kind of an opposite of a lot of the finesse guys on this roster. I feel like that's how he works so well. He really complements everybody's game. It's funny listening to the post-game broadcast because, you know, Bill Hands, like was a really physical player when he played. He was like kind of an enforcer in a lot of ways. And I mean, I think he respects the, the talent in this team. He has fun watching them, but you can tell at times that he's frustrated. There are so many finesse guys. Like he just wants, like you said, battering ram sometimes. And he loves Mason Plumlee and Torrey Craig. Those are the right. two kind of, yeah, we can we can play ugly and it'll be successful guys. I mean, I know Mason Plumlee can pass the ball, but you're right that the Nuggets don't have a lot of, you know, just bruisers on their team. Yeah. I do think, though, with Torrey, and I think kind of the threshold for minutes for him around the playoffs is going to be anywhere from 15 a game on some nights to maybe 25 a game on some nights. But I do think it's going to have a lot to do with whatever team the Nuggets are matched up with. If they're matched up with an Oklahoma City, you can bet that Torrey Craig is probably going to be playing at least 20 minutes per game against Russell Westbrook, against Paul George. If they're playing a team like, I don't know, the Clippers, maybe there's not as many minutes available for Torrey Craig. Well, if they play San Antonio, I could also see Pop saying, yeah, we're just going to dare you to beat us. Right, and maybe that forces him off the floor. Yeah, I mean, I can see Pop giving Torrey Craig the the treatment the Lakers gave him earlier season where I think LeBron was on him and he was basically just playing free safety, chilling in the lane. Mm-hmm. I like what you said about his three-point shooting because that could also determine how useful he is in the playoffs. If he's shooting you know, 35%, mid-30s, you can definitely have him on the floor. But if he's not really a threat from three-point range, I mean, he had a couple brutal misses the other night against Portland. He had a couple air balls that hit glass before hitting rim or didn't even hit rim in that game. And then also hit a big three-pointer late, a dagger. It was a pretty fitting end to that one because he played great against the Blazers the other night. But yeah, if he's hitting threes, that's going to help him stay on the floor, you know, especially because I would expect maybe not even just Popovich. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of other guys schemed against him as well. Before we move on here, got some final thoughts on this game. A quick word from Strava Craft Coffee. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check these guys out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped to decrease anxiety You name it. CBD is all natural, not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty. We cannot recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today. You can receive 20% off of your order when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout. Get it shipped straight to your door 
as well. So make sure to check those guys out. Strava Craft Coffee, longtime sponsor here on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Anybody else stand out in this game too? I thought Trey Lyles had a nice night. 15 points, 9 rebounds, 6-12 from the field, hit a couple threes. Good to see him get a couple shots to go down. Mason Plumlee played well, put on his best Nicole Jokic impression. Six assists to go with his 10, 10 points and 11 rebounds. Uh, who else stood out to you? Yeah, pretty nice night for the dog. Um, <laughs> I don't know, other standout performers. Trey Lyles did some good things in this game. We haven't got to say that a lot this season. He hit three threes. Um, I mean, it was just good to see Trey Lyles appear confident shooting the ball from outside. I mean... The guy at times this season has just lost complete confidence in his outside shot. He was, came into this game at below 25% from three. Yeah. He's at 38% last year. I mean, that is just an unbelievable drop-off. It's not often you see a drop-off like that. So it was just good to see Trey you know, shoot the ball and, and step into it and appear to feel good about himself. I was thinking about this during the game when Trey Lyles and Mason Plumley were out there on the floor together. This was supposed to be the front court of the second unit, really, for this entire season. And they played great together in the preseason. And it seemed like Trey Lyles is really going to be a focal point of the second unit, to be honest. Like, I remember in preseason watching this team play. And the goal of that second unit was really just to find Lyles in a mismatch and let him go to work in the mid poster on the block. And obviously, his three point shot not really hitting this year that forced him out of the rotation and whatnot, but it was good to see him get out there and at least play. And hey, he almost helped the Nuggets get this win tonight. And uh, if they were trying to get a win, I said this a couple weeks ago, but it wasn't the worst move in the world for Michael Malone to get Lyles a couple minutes here and there like he has over the last couple of weeks. So when Denver does decide to rest players and if they were trying to win a game, he could really give them consistent and somewhat, uh, you know, capable minutes. Yeah, um, those were kind of the the plus performers. Should we talk about Isaiah Thomas in, in his night? Yeah, it was just tough watching him tonight. Did not look good. Didn't really look a hundred percent, to be quite honest. Yeah, it was tough. I feel bad for the guy. I feel for him too. I mean, he he fudged a pretty wide open layup on the break in this game. He just didn't have much explosion. Um, he only had one turnover, but it felt like the ball was getting poked away from him a lot more than that. He was just fumbling it. Yeah, he just didn't have any, any sort of rhythm, and I, I feel for him too, man. It's a, a tough situation. He's been a great teammate, even though it's it's got to hurt a little bit that he's not in the rotation right now, and I, I just hope he can you know, make a full recovery and, and contribute somewhere in the NBA next year. Yeah, he really gave his career, potentially, to Boston in those playoffs. You know, IT saying that if he had to do it all over again, he'd probably still play. I mean, if you're just talking about his long-term approach, that's probably terrible for it. But I just think that speaks to what a competitor IT is. I mean, he's an incredible competitor. He always just wants to be out there. Yeah, a couple final notes from my perspective. Wancho got a triple to go down. We had a mini launch. I don't know if we can call it that, but he at least... Saw the ball go through the net. Well, we might have to bleep that. That sounded not uh, appropriate for families. It's a family podcast. He, he got a triple to go down, three of six from the field. There could be a scenario come the playoffs where Denver finds itself in foul trouble and they need Wancho to be out there for 10 minutes. Yeah, please, God, give us a Wancho in the playoffs. 
I think we should just bleep that out from now on. <laughs> Trey Lyles, I mean, I think things would have to get pretty bad for the Nuggets to, to go to him, but you know, I could see it if Denver finds itself in foul trouble, which could happen. That dunk Wancho had was pretty nasty, too. That was explosive. You haven't seen any explosive plays from him in a while. Mm-hmm. Left-handed just went up and, ugh! <laughs> I'm going to have to really edit this thing up hard. <laughs> so, Gary looked great tonight, and he had that explosion back. He was aggressive in getting to the rim. The other guy I need to see that from over these last couple of games is Will Barton. Those guys have battled through a lot of injuries this year. They've been up and down. They've had their good spots and their rough patches over the season. But Denver's also going to need Will Barton to play like this or to play better than this if they want to make a substantial run in the playoffs. So I'll be watching him closely over these last couple of games, obviously, you know, based on how many minutes he gets, and to see if he can find you know, some confidence and some more of an offensive rhythm on that end of the floor like Gary had Sunday evening. Uh, because he's going to be an important piece for Denver, you know, playing 30-plus minutes per game. And it was interesting, I thought, in that home win against Portland, how the Nuggets closed with Torrey Craig over Will Barton. And I think that was the right choice. Torrey deserved to be out there. Denver had played great with him out there that night. Barton struggled. How do you think that scenario will unfold in the playoffs? Do you think there's a chance that Will Barton might not be on the floor? at the end of games based on how he's playing and Michael Mullen might ride the hot hand like he did the other night in Denver? Yeah, I mean, if Will Barton is, is struggling and Torrey Craig is balling, then that's definitely one I could see where, where Michael Mullen rides the hot hand. You know, I'm I'm not sure that would be the case at point guard. I think Jamal Murray will almost always be closing. I agree um, with that. I feel like Gary will almost always be in there over Malik, even if Malik's having a really good game. And I could say the same thing about power forward and center. Yeah, I mean, small forward is the one, I guess, that – that could change as far as Denver's um, closing lineups. Um, just just looking at Olbarton's numbers on the year, I mean, the guy's shooting 40.6 from the field. This is the worst he shot from the field since his rookie season in Portland, and it just stinks because last year was a career year for him, 45.5% from the field. Um, he shot the three ball 37%. So it just stinks that Will you know, dealt with, with this injury, and he's never just gotten back on track he's never you know had two weeks where he's looked like last year's version of will mm-hmm. yeah so i'd agree with what you said there jamal murray is probably going to be on the floor at the end of games gary harris you want him out there for his defensive purposes alone even if he's not much of a threat offensively uh, same with Millsap, and then joker will be out there as well that small forward spot some nights it could be barton i think most of the nights it probably will be barton it could be Torrey Craig. It could also be Malik Beasley, you know, if he's really given Denver an offensive punch from beyond the arc that night. Anything else from your perspective in this game? Nuggets fall 115-108. Still trending towards the two seed, but we'll definitely need to win one of these final two games to lock that in. It could come Monday in Utah, it could come Wednesday in the regular season finale at home against the Timberwolves. Yeah, pretty entertaining game. More entertaining game than I thought it was going to be from the load management nuggets. Mm-hmm. Well put. All right, let's get out of here. If you guys have questions for the show about this game, 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. Give us a call. 
Give us a Nuggets take. Give us a take about the playoffs. Tell us who you think the Nuggets match up with best in the first round. It's an interesting question that you could really draw a number of conclusions from. Thanks for listening, guys. If you got a second, give us a five-star review on iTunes. We'd surely, we definitely appreciate it. Helps us grow the show. Helps us know that you guys appreciate the content we put out every day, Monday through Friday on the BSN Nuggets podcast. We'll be back with another episode recapping a win or a loss in Utah Tuesday night. Talk to you then. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.